airing the Addisons. Well, let me say this as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We'll take some more of your calls today as we continue on in our discussion, kind of picking up a little bit uh, where we left off yesterday, mm-hmm. talking about J.D. Greer. And again, um, you know, this is not to pick on the Southern Baptist Convention. Right, this right. is not to pick on J.D. Greer. Right. Um, this is not to pick on Russell Moore. This is not to pick on anybody um, who's been the topic of our discussion when we see things that are worthy of warning. Mm. And that's what we're attempting to do. You know, when you have um, the leader of a major evangelical denomination saying that Christians need to advocate for and become allies for um, what is antithetical to Christianity, which really you're talking about two competing ideals, if you will. Um, And, you know, not to reduce Christianity to an ideal, but, I mean, you're talking about encouraging Christians to stand in one accord kind of a thing um, with practices and beliefs that are antithetical to the right. faith. And in fact, I would say are competing against the faith, right. competing against the truth. Um, that's a problem. And and I think that we would just be, um, um, I don't know, I, I guess just a little bit reckless, Will, if we didn't yeah. talk about this, this would, you know, it would be unlike us. Yeah, because these are the kinds of things that stand out to us. I agree. And I think if you look at it, you can see the pattern, you know, because this is not the first time that some things have been said. And I'm thinking about from like J.D. Greer. Right. You know, um, we we, we kind of alluded to the homosexual thing, the mm-hmm. homosexual marriage thing, the homosexuality thing, as far as, um, you know, being advocates for homosexuals. Yes. You know, he said that. But then also... And allies, advocates and allies. And allies. But yep. he, he also mm-hmm. talked about, you know, being uh, having pronoun hospitality, engaging in pronoun hospitality. Right. And in case people weren't listening at the end of the year last year, um, we played this clip and just kind of paraphrasing J.D. Greer in a podcast interview. He was asked the question about whether or not Christians should use people's preferred pronouns. Right. And one of the things he said, and I'll let you get back to your point, Will, here, because I, it's a great one, and I, I think it's important where we're going with this. But one of the things that J.D. Greer said was that he would engage in something that he likes to call pronoun hospitality. Right. Um, so, in other words, be upfront, first welcoming and affirming, and then eventually you're going to get to the truth, but first you're going to affirm or validate sexual confusion so that you kind of fall under the definition of being hospitable as it pertains to being the church, the body of Christ, the called out ones. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Anyway, but go ahead. And, and, you know, and also, you know, when you look at it, this is the leadership that's saying this stuff, you know, and it's not only coming from like him, but you have, 
the, the uh, seminaries um, that are mm-hmm. kind of saying some of the same things, like the seminary leaders and stuff. So mm-hmm. this is coming uh, from the higher places within the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, and whether or not the, the people themselves, like the members, feel the same way, usually not. But this is coming down from places of, of, of position and power. And that's, that's alarming. You have to really look at that. It is incredibly alarming. And just to double back to a point that you just made, I think we often overlook this. This is where the majority of the opposition comes from. And hear me well when I say this to our listeners. Hear me well. The majority of the opposition, when you expose something like this and you say, hold on a second, this is a problem, this is wrong, the majority of the opposition comes from people who have chosen to think the absolute best without really truly looking at what has been said and looking at what continues to be said, right? This is not sort of like a, oh, you just had this one moment, you just had this one incident. And so we say, you know, we really want to be watchful. Um, I think that that's the the position that we took a couple years back. We're like, you know, this is really concerning. Right. We really want to be watchful. Right. But what we have seen is a consistent pattern, pattern, not even not just from the SBC, but Mm -hmm. also from some of the in the, you know, within the Presbyterians, like Mm -hmm. certainly now the Methodists, Methodists. like these are the things that we're watching for. And you say, as believers to warn the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So some of the most rabid defenders are going to be those who are members of the SBC. Right. Maybe they attend J.D. Greer's church and they're saying, well, that's not who he is. Yeah. That's They're saying, you don't know. That's not. Let me just say this um, <laughs> lovingly. If I've got to get really close to you, if I've, if I've got to attend your church, mm-hmm. if I've got to hold hands with you, you know, in a midnight watch service to know that you're a Bible believing Christian. Um, Something's wrong. Yeah. It should right. be evident to all, right? Cause we are the aroma of Jesus Christ. It right. should be evident to all that we all have one faith and claim mm-hmm. that we're all reading the one book. And so if you're making statements publicly where you're calling for Christians to be advocates yeah, in those For, terms, yeah. you know, and, and I'm I'm going to say Islamists. OK, mm-hmm. that's a problem. That is that's a, a problem. problem. The Bible is very clear and it's often quoted and, and I want to look at it now, um, but it's often quoted with regard to who we marry, you know, and mm-hmm. who we join ourselves to sexually mm-hmm. and contextually. This is what the scripture is saying, but it is not limited to that. When the Bible is warning us, when the Apostle Paul warns the Corinthians in his second letter to them, and he warns them to not be unequally yoked with Mm -hmm. unbelievers, right? to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. This is not just a sexual connotation. When you think of a yoke, when you think of animals that are working together, Mm -hmm. that are joined together by a yoke to work, to go toward a common end. Right. Right. So the question is, with whom can a Christian be yoked if we're not headed toward the same end? Mm. Who can we be joined with? Who can we be advocating for if we're not headed toward the same end? And if you continue on in that passage, this is chapter six of Second Corinthians And you look at what the Apostle Paul says, he goes on and he makes the case that, no, we don't want our bodies to be defiled, but we also don't want our spirit to be defiled. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're not going to normalize what, you know, (laughs) 
as an evangelist, if you are witnessing, if you are ministering to people, you want people to come out of darkness. Exactly. We want people to come out of darkness. We want them to come to the truth of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is just this is who we are as Christians. Why now are we going to advocate for upholding and defending what is antithetical to this truth that we're proclaiming? Right. It just makes no sense. I mean, this is when you had um, you, I can't remember the church. I want to say it was a church in. um Oh, goodness, it's escaping me right now. But there was a church that was hosting a Ramadan dinner, a Christian church. You remember this? Mm-hmm. We talked about this was hosting a Ramadan dinner where it called the pastor called for Christians and Muslims to come out and Christians were going to participate in Ramadan as a show of hospitality, I guess. Just (laughs) this is what it's like to love people. This is what it's like to live as salt and light. No, it's not. No, it's not. Do you understand? And, And this is why it's again important for us to understand the history of the faith that we have received and to understand how believers have lived before us in the first and second and third century of the church. Do you understand that the immense persecution that the body of Christ suffered is because they lived with, it it was incomparable peculiarity. Mm. It was, Hmm. what was it to be compared to that? The Christians didn't behave like the pagans around them. Yeah. No, no, you didn't have because because you could have probably not have been boiled in oil. You could have probably not been eaten by animals if you would say, "Okay, well, yeah, you can come and participate in like our communion. Okay, yeah. Anybody's well. No, there was a distinction and there was this understanding that we are a new people because of what Jesus Christ has done. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to water that down to make people comfortable around us. And guess what? The church still advanced. (laughs) Yep. You know what? The gospel got to us even before people's wonderful progressive notions and ideas of, Oh, I don't know. Pronoun hospitality. (laughs) Right. So what is it that the early church had that for some reason We don't have in 21st century America where we've got to employ all of these tactics whereby essentially what we're doing, what we're doing is watering down the gospel. Mm. That's what we're doing. We're saying, you know what? We're not. And we're and actually we've got another story that we'll maybe get to because I know we've got some more clips from J.D. Greer at this this event that they had on Thursday. Um, If you are a Bible believing Christian, you need to understand that the type of threat that is perceived of you, right, is no small thing. It's no small thing. Mm. Now, if you are the type of Christian that says, you know, I'm not like them, then you're fine, right? If Jesus Christ is just a way, if that's what you believe, if Jesus Christ is just a way and It doesn't matter if we yoke up with Muslims or Hindus. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter if we stick to um, what the Bible says about human sexuality and sexual identity. If it doesn't matter that the Bible tells us how we are to view life, how we are to defend and protect it and agree with God. If if, if none of that matters to you, then you're a Christian that's not a threat. Hmm. And you're probably not going to face the type of persecution that genuine Bible believing Christians all around the world are enduring right now. And it's ramping up. It's ramping up. And the kinds of things that we see coming from the SBC and, and, and coming from the Methodist and, you know, anybody else has departed from the truth. Yeah. These are the kinds of things that were foretold. That's right. 
That's right. We knew that these things would happen. That's right. We knew that these things were on the horizon. And so now is not the time for us to try to be well liked. Now is not the right. time for us to, you know, that won't happen. I mean, not now if is we're not the time for us to become allies. Right. <laughs> Okay. That, that 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 will not happen. No, Those who exactly will live right. godly in this life will suffer persecution. There, it, there will be, you know, just those scriptures. If yes. the world hates you, you know, like that's that's just part of it. And I think we try so hard to, you know, do uh, uh, bend over backwards to make the world love us and, you know, try to be so this and that. And in return, we never see, you know, the world doing the same thing and because they're not. It's like Christians don't understand, Never. you know, no. uh, what the word says. And it's, it's clear. The Christian is on the perpetual apology tour. Yes. If, if the Christian does not want to be uncomfortable in this world. That's right. And I remember going over the scripture and, and talking to the kids, you know, when, when the Bible says that everyone who desires to live godly in this world will suffer persecution. You will be persecuted. My question to them is, what does it mean when it says everyone? Mm. What does it mean? So then if everyone who desires to live godly in this world is going to suffer persecution, then who's the one who's not going to suffer? Hmm. Well, it's the one who's not going to be living godly, mm. right? It's the one mm-hmm. who makes himself a friend with the world, yeah. which the Bible says friendship with the world is enmity with God. That's right. There's, there is no, there is no, blurring of these lines and anybody who is reading the Bible. And so you say, well, you know, where does your conviction come from and where does such a strong response come from? We should give people the benefit of the doubt. It comes from a love for the word of God mm. and the realization that we have been ransomed from what is to come. Yeah. We have been saved out of this world and all of the things that are going to befall this world. If, in fact, you believe that the word of God is true, you should have a righteous indignation, a righteous disdain when you see someone misleading people. When you see someone saying, no, it's okay to be yoked. No, it's Hmm. I mean, you know, it's okay. You know, it's okay to advocate for the other person's beliefs. Yeah. No, there should be something inside of you that is so aggravated and that is so agitated and that driven by righteousness, the Holy Spirit indwelling you, not just this self-righteousness, not just this, oh, I don't like that he said that. There should be a holy, righteous indignation that rises up in every believer. All right, we got to grab the break. We'll come back with a couple more clips. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Don't go anywhere. I don't think there's really any way to deny that on some level, um, because the predominant religion in the United States right now that is enthroned in our universities and in the media and in Hollywood and the New York Times is secularism. And that's every bit of religion as anything else, because it's a, a worldview with a set of values and a set of right and wrong and a set of even its own forms of secular salvation. And anything that teaches contrary to that is considered to be you know, it's considered to be outside. And so I think recognizing that now I, I do want to say this and I'm not trying to 
to just be you know, politically correct. I, I do understand that for an American Christian, particularly a white Christian, that there is still you know, a, a heritage and a place of, of privilege that I would have in this culture. And so I wouldn't try to just equate and say, oh, everything that you experienced, we, we got it way worse or anything like that, or even on the same level. Because I think, you know, as, as, as I talked to Omar and others, I mean, there are some things that they, they deal with that are assumptions and stereotypes that are unfair and that I would never want uh, one of my own children to be subjected to. Okay. So, but the thing is, the reason you're having this summit or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. the reason is because of the assumptions that are made about Christians. So that is almost, it's like, that's a self-canceling statement that you just made. You wouldn't be having this meeting to talk about what Christians can do better if there were not assumptions made about Christians, which now you're denying because it's convenient to say that the Muslim is the greater victim. We're talking intersectionality right. points. Right. We're exactly. talking intersectionality points here. And so when we're talking about the race to the bottom, the Christian is not there. Certainly not the white Christian, as J.D. Greer just pointed out, because the <laughs> white Christian in America has privilege. Right. And so the white Christian in America doesn't have to worry about certain assumptions being made about him or her. And I certainly wouldn't want that to be said of my children. But wait, you are at a summit right now because Christians have constantly got to apologize for the assumptions that are made about us. Right. Right. What? Then why are you there? Right. Why are you there? If if Christians are not oppressed, if Christians don't have false assumptions made about them, if Christians are not called hateful, if Christians are not called bigoted, right? If Bible, and let me say it this way, Bible-believing Christians, mm-hmm. right? If Bible-believing Christians are not constantly discriminated against, mm-hmm. and increasingly so, why are you there? Right. Why, and, are you, why are you having this summit? And so the question that was asked to him right there was, is Christianity in America under attack? It was something to that. So he started off by saying, yes, because it's a secular secularized nation and you know so there's going to be people that's not going to but he felt the need to throw in the intersectionality of the the muslim and say but you know i'm not trying to you know sound whatever pc but you know then he goes into more of the apology tour i'm white and i'm privileged (laughs) and so i i'm like man what let me tell you let me so just if welcome back (laughs) welcome Welcome back to um, I'm so glad that, you know, Will, you and I and so many of our listeners, praise God, do not have this privilege disorder where we, you know, (laughs) I'm so glad that we have been able to overcome that. You know, the temptation to think that we have been afforded a certain amount of privilege over which we now need to feel guilty and constantly apologize for. No, Mm -hmm. the greatest privilege that we have is the privilege of knowing Jesus Christ being found in him and having our sin forgiven. It is called Christ privilege. It is the greatest privilege that we have. (laughs) I don't apologize for that. No, you're feeling like you're not, you don't, (laughs) you're feeling like you haven't made it over. You still stuck. The man has his foot on your neck. You need Christ's privilege. Right. All right. If you if you <laughs> right. exactly. you're the underdog, you're not making it out. You don't have a testimony yet. You need Jesus Christ. All right. Amen. Point blank. Period. That's the end of the discussion there. And I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how many titles you have behind your name. I don't care what you think of yourself or what other people think of you. If you have not been found forgiven of your sin in the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't care what kind of luxuries you have in this world. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. So these apology tours are ridiculous. And let me tell you what it gets us, though. 
let me tell you what it gets us. So here's here's if you're just joining us and you're like, what 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 are they ranting about today? Here's what we're <laughs> ranting about. All right. J.D. Greer, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, right. um, was at a summit. I, I just want to call it a summit it, where they were discussing the issues facing uh, American culture related to Christianity and Islam, where at this this event and the Inter- title, the official interfaith. title of the event, you have it. It's it, hope in the current age. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. conversation on Christianity and Islam, mm-hmm. because, you know, Christianity is just one of many different religions. So so let's put them on the same plane and let's just discuss them as just one of many religions and let's find some similarities between Christians and Muslims and let's just put those together because Christianity is not distinct. See, Jesus Christ is not the only way. Mm. Now, to us, he is the only way, but to you, it may be something else. It's very Oprah-ish. Right. Right? I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true, isn't it? And the egregious part is when you... Put the puzzles together, like the pieces, and, and see some of the other talks that, you know, uh, Mr. Greer has been a part of and some of the other things that he said. You look at that convention, the Southern Baptist Convention, you wonder, like, where are you guys heading? Like, where where, where are you going? You know? Well, let me say this. Let me let me because this is really interesting. You know, one of the things that we said yesterday when we kind of got started in into this is that whenever Christians show up for interfaith dialogue, it's the Christian who's always apologizing, right? It's the Christian who is always trying to um, assert that he or she or we are going to do better. We're mm. going to do better. We're going we're gonna to be better. It just It is almost sort of like a given that we are the bad guy going into right. the interfaith dialogue. We are <laughs> right. the people who have the greatest stain right. and need to be cleansed, Come on, man. okay? So probably... Maybe the great proof that this is true, even at this, whatever it is, this summit that they're interfaith, tired interfaith summit that they did, um, is the response. There was an opportunity where J.D. Greer and uh, Suleiman, mm-hmm. the, 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 the Muslim, I guess, expert there, mm-hmm. um, were able to exchange words to one another and address their religious communities, right? Address mm-hmm. each other's religious communities, yeah. okay? So um, I guess J.D. Greer was going to speak on behalf of the Christian community, mm-hmm. all right? And this, here it is, because, like, this is what this is what you wait for. And and then Suleiman was going to speak address... Speak on behalf of the, the Muslim? The Muslim community. Yeah. Okay, all right. So I wish I had this in a clip for you, but I'm just going to read to you um, the transcript of of what J.D. Greer said. And again, we have the article. We will link to the article. You can read it for yourself. So given the opportunity to speak to the Christian community's engagement or reaction or response or lack thereof toward Muslims, um, J.D. Greer referenced his time spent as a missionary in a Muslim-majority region. And this is how he began. Quote, we love you. We think you belong in this society and we want to stand beside you to be your friends. Okay. (laughs) We want you to be patient with us and help us learn what it looks like to look at life through your eyes. This is J.D. Greer. Okay. Most of us have never had the experience of being in a place where we weren't in the majority. And that's a difficult transition for us to make. In other words, Jodeci, (laughs) <laughs> we're sorry. We're sorry that we're Christian. 
We're sorry that we don't know what it's like to be Muslim. We're sorry that we don't know what it's like to be you. All right. We're sorry. So forgive us. This is Miki's paraphrase here. At least this is what I saw when I read it. We're sorry that we're not better. We're sorry that we're not you. We're sorry that we haven't had the same experiences. Okay. And, and maybe that's not what he meant, but that's what I take from it. So that's J.D. Greer. So then here's Suleiman. Okay. Here's mm-hmm. Suleiman. Um, thank you for coming here. I know that for a lot of you, especially with the amount of hatred, bigotry, xenophobia, and fear that's paralyzing out there, it might be difficult for you to sometimes sit next to a Muslim and to learn about a different worldview, a different life, a different faith. Thank you for being bold enough to come here. Wait. That's it? <laughs> wait. Um, where's so, the reciprocity? So, you know, we're, we're sorry for we're how, sorry. So, how some of, <laughs> you know, people who... Share our fate, you know, are like killing people in villages in, in oh my goodness in Nigeria and how you know it would have been the perfect opportunity to homosexuals say, off buildings and come on like right none of that like no. it would have been the perfect opportunity to say listen we understand that there are some justified perceptions of Muslims we understand that there are radicals among us. And that we need to do a better job. Why am I giving him his words? I just feel like, I mean, you know what I mean? We need to do a better job Man. of communicating See, that there is a difference but between that's an the Islamist point. and, you know. That's the point. They're never, it's never, never like that. It's always apology on the Christian side. On the other side, they're, they're like, okay, well, thank, thank you. you for coming. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you it. for coming. It's the person, it's the, <laughs> it's, Man. the it's the person who seeks a mediator who says, listen, I think that we've both done some things wrong here. All right for this. And then the other person is just like, well, thank you. It's like, wait, I mean, did you, I mean, is there anything that you want to, you know, (laughs) offer? Like, no, well, no, because I know that it's difficult for you guys to be here. I know that xenophobia (laughs) is real. I know that bigotry and hatred is real. In other words, I'm just confirming what you've already said about yourself. You are those things. So I just want to say thanks for coming, despite the fact that you are those things. Now, who has a representative, who has a president of a Christian evangelical denomination sit there with a straight face and just accept that? Man. I mean, you know, see, that's why I don't get invited to these things, because I that's at the point. <laughs> <laughs> that's at the point where you're just like, well, well, hold up. <laughs> I right. mean, like, really, that's not an apology. Right. That's not an attempt to understand. That's not an but, attempt to meet halfway. But the 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 one who is the I guess would be the minority. No, they don't have to apologize. Like they have more intersectionality points. That so, is correct. So, Will you know they they need to be apologized too. But on the other side, now you just sit there. and You need to learn from us. Like that you need to learn where correct. you've been wrong. You are spot on with that. That is a page out of intersectionality, out of critical race theory playbook. That is exactly what that is, because we are more oppressed, because we are more underprivileged, because we have faced more attack, at least by our own perception. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, then, yes, we don't owe you anything. You owe us everything. And you're exactly right. And so for J.D. Greer, to go into a situation where he paints Christianity. I mean, because there he is, he's standing there sitting there Mm -hmm. um, as a representative of the Christian faith, at least Christian evangelicalism in America convention, (laughs) which is big, which is pretty big. I mean, it's huge, right? Like what? 15 million. I mean, like just, (laughs) you know, different. I mean, what is it? What is, I I should know that specifically. I don't know how big, but it's big. 
who's someone who's uh, SBC. I saw a number. I mean, I might be wrong about that. I think it's larger than well, that. Well, we but can anyways, say it's huge. It's huge, right? <laughs> it's huge. Right. But my point is this. My point is when you show up to an event and whether you like it or not, you are representing a large group of people. That's mm-hmm. my point. Mm-hmm. That's my point. Mm-hmm. You're representing a large group of people, right? And you're saying that we as Christians need to be sorry for who we are basically for what we've believed about the scriptures. No, look, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. We believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So I'm not going to apologize if I sit down and have a conversation with my Muslim neighbor and that offends him. I've had those conversations. Mm -hmm. I know that that is offensive. I know. No, Jesus can be a good prophet. He can be a good teacher, but he's not the son of God. You cannot be in any type of relationship with God. He's mm. not that type of God. Mm. So that's going to be offensive. Yeah. So I'm look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, and I say, I'm sorry, even as I'm about to say, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm not apologizing for, <laughs> I, you know, not to sound all like, you know, teenagerish, yeah. but sorry, not sorry. <laughs> and this is where we are. And these are the types of um, doubling down that will have to take place in the life of the believer. And again, when we look at people and we have certain expectations mm-hmm. of them, it can be very difficult to operate according to what they display. Mm. Because what we're still operating on is what we wish were true, what we expect to be true. But if you're going to constantly if you're going to consistently, mm-hmm. all right, if you're going to consistently appear, and I'm trying to be very generous here, Will, mm-hmm. but if you're going to consistently appear to throw Christians under the bus to say, you know, we're not all like them. Right. Well, That's exactly pardon what me, is, but being done. We're not like those type them? of Christians. What, what, are you, what are you saying? Yeah. And at what point do Christians stand up and say, no, look, we're Bible believing Christians. You don't need to apologize for me. Exactly. You don't apologize for me. Because it I believe like the, what I read. It seems like the end result is, they, is, is to be liked or to be seen as. But that won't happen if you're if you're truly living out the scriptures. You know, you, we're not called to be mean and to be abusive or anything no. like that. But if you if we hold fast to the scriptures, it's not going to line up with another uh, with a false religion, you know, say it's not going to line up with a lifestyle that's not uh, biblical, not right. It just won't. So we will always be unpopular. That's just the way it will be. And, and until we can uh, receive that and just walk in it, they're going to constantly have these apology tours going on. Can I say something? I, you know, Will, I and I, I want to be careful about what we say about, you know, some of the practices that we've had in the church, certainly with youth groups and things like this. But I. I, there, I cannot shake the feeling, the idea that a part of this, you know, Christian acceptance and being well-liked sort of got its start in youth groups where you remember there was this, you know, you friendship evangelism that you go oh, and yeah. you'd be just like them and yeah. try to make them see how cool you are. And then mm. perchance, if you have an opportunity, slip them the gospel, right. but make sure that you protect the gospel by being cool. Look. Some people, though they are in their mid to late 40s, early 50s, have not outgrown that youth group culture mm. where it's like we need wow. to we need them to like us. Right. We need to be the cool Christians in school. 
And that's just not the portion right. that is ours. Right. All right. Aaron You're the right. Addison's American Family Radio. We'll break and be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Um, well, I was slightly off, but 14.8 million, according to Pew Research, yeah. 14.8 million members of all ages. That's as of 2018, wow. which um, the Southern Baptist Convention appears to, by some accounts, be declining. Hmm. Um, it is the biggest Protestant denomination in the United States. And J.D. Greer presides over this. He presides over this Man. and is essentially apologizing for Christians and, and telling Christians that they need to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, using a little bit of intersectionality and, and you know, yeah, Marxist theory. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's that's just what we're looking at. Anyway, welcome back. Thank you so mm. much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that was uh, I See the Truth by Cam. All right. Um, I guess in just a little bit, we'll queue up some phone calls. But first, let me just remind our listeners, when we talk about um, living a culture proof life, not being victims of the culture, um, even the things that you hear us talking about today, how do we stand against the onslaught of the culture? Again, we're not hostile, but we are guarded and we see what's happening. We want to stand against it. The Marriage, Family and Life Conference is set up to help you do just that, not just you, Mm -hmm. um, but also your kids. So there is a kid and youth track that will be available um, for kids ages four to, to 17. 17, that's four right, four to 17. And so anyway, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. It's happening June 25th through the 27th. And it'll be here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Right now we have the early bird uh, registration price going. So you want to get your your tickets right now. Uh, that ends on a- uh, April 1st. And so uh, while we're in the month of March, make sure you get your, your tickets for the conference. It's going to be a great time. We have speakers such as uh, Alex McFarlane. We have uh, Dr. Michael Brown. And I should say Dr. Alex McFarlane and uh, Dr. Frank Turek. You know, uh, we're going to have uh, Laura Petherbridge and a lot more uh, speakers, a- Abraham Hamilton III and Miki. Uh, and so it's going to be a great time. And in a time for equipping the saints, you know, for the work of ministry and to be encouraged to, to stand in defense of the truth. And so if you need more information, go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net, and you can get your tickets there. Uh, I just want to encourage everybody that can, if you will, you, sh- you should come. It's just mm-hmm. going to be a great time. We've This will be our uh, third year doing this. Yes, And uh, right. the, the previous two years have been awesome, and we're just looking f- uh, for more you know, we, we believe that God will meet us there. We have times of worship as time of uh, networking and just meeting people of like mind. And so it's just going to be a great time. So go to marriagefamilylife.net. Um, I think a quick mention here, but let me allow for our listeners if they want to interact with us to kind of start getting their calls queued up. 888-589-8840. You can talk to us uh, and Sherry B. will get you on. She's over in Studio CC. 888-589-8840. Um, we have talked about how um, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, we have talked about how whenever there is an attack 
on the Christian, you're going to see this stuff begin to be manifested and played out politically, right? Whenever the yep. Christians get it wrong, there must be a political response, okay? Like there's these things have uh, political ramifications. And I can see now because the calls are queued up and coming in, uh, we're probably not going to get deep into this story, but um, Lord willing, maybe mm-hmm. there'll be a little bit of carryover in the first segment tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But um, according to the UN special expert on freedom of religion, Uh, The fringe views of U.N. human rights bodies must take precedence over the mainstream beliefs of many leading world religions Mm. when it comes to law and policy. And when you hear that, you go, wait, maybe I've heard that somewhere before, Mm because essentially what I'm hearing is that if there are any religious views or any religious convictions that conflict with progressive policy or progressive thought, then those religious views some of them millennia old, then those things have to be changed. If mm. that sounds familiar familiar to you, then you might remember, what was it, circa 2015, 2016, yeah. when uh, Hillary Clinton was addressing a group of women and mm-hmm. said as much. Let's listen to this clip. Yes, we've cut the maternal mortality rate in half, but far too many women are still denied critical access to reproductive health care and safe childbirth. All the laws we've passed don't count for much if they're not enforced. Rights have to exist in practice, not just on paper. Laws have to be backed up with resources and political will. And deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, and structural biases have to be changed. Hmm. So, you know... When you have this kind of consistent thought and you say, because now this this new um, assertion is coming from a man named Ahmad Shahid, who is the U.N. special rapporteur. I don't even. Okay. I mean, sure. Fancy. OK, that's pretty fancy. Um, it's an unpaid position. Okay. It's an unpaid Not position that really does, <laughs> doesn't carry a whole lot of clout in the U.N., except that his report joins with other reports that affect the policy of the U.N. So mm. it's not like it's it's completely innocuous. It's something that we need to be concerned about. But anyway, this man is saying the same thing that Hillary Clinton said. Mm. If you've got religious groups that um, oppose LGBTQ plus identities, right, or would have a conscience conviction on abortion or something like that, this man is suggesting to the U.N. that those views have to change. And one of the things that he said before we go to the phone lines, because I think this is so important to point out, Shahid noted that laws regarding abortion and homosexual behavior often arise from the application of religious teaching regarding the sanctity of life, the family and sexual morality. Now, what he was trying to make a differentiation between is that it's not just religion itself. It's how people live out their religious convictions. Mm. It's how they apply. So in other words, if you're not that type of Christian, Mm, then you get to keep your religious conviction. If you like like your religious conviction, you get to keep it, right? You get from the the right, from the left, it's all set up. From the Bible believing Christian, if you believe that the word of God does not change based on culture or times, Mm -hmm. based on cultural norms or people's current affinities, then there's no place for you in the public square. And so here we have it. 
where does this come from? And the reason I'm, I'm, I'm referring back to Hillary Clinton is because these things circle the wagon because they're spiritual in nature. Mm, they're spiritual right. in nature. That's this true. is not just a vacuum statement that is made. This is a demonic design. And I think that Christians need to be aware of that. Will the Great, let's go to the phone lines. Where do we go first? All right, let's go to Rose in North Carolina. Hi, Rose. Hello, how are y'all doing today? Thank you for taking my call. Okay. I will fire these off quick and let you talk about them afterwards. But I grew up in Kansas City, and uh, there was a church there uh, that sold out to a Muslim, black Muslim group and mm. caused a big stink. This was back in the 60s and 70s. And that property totally went downhill, and uh, people were very upset about that sale. Also, um, being married to a so-called Christian, uh, that didn't work out too well for me because he decided he walked the walk and, or appeared to walk the walk and talk the talk, and then later uh, didn't uh, appear to have that. And the last thing is, the two of you remind me of a married diamond and silk. And I love you. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> I guess I know who I am. <laughs> I have never heard that before. I Rose, you get the gold That's star for funny. today. That's I'm sorry. I was taken aback. I have never, <laughs> I have wow. never heard that before. But you know what? I mean, I guess I, I feel like I want to say I'll take it, but Will, I don't know how you feel about that. We're going to have to find I'm you good. another reference. Whatever. You but know, that's, a, I understand. It's, you know. Rose, you are golden. That was great. Thank you so much for that. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right. Uh, next, we go to Kelly in Alabama. Hi, Kelly. Hey, how y'all doing? All right. Good. Okay. Well, I you know, I'm uh, almost 62, and I've made an observation in the last, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years. It's like there are Jesus Bible-following Christians, and there are cultural mm. Jesus Christians. Yep. And it's like the culture is really their Jesus, and they don't even, wow. I don't know if they don't know it or what, but that's just, I just call them cultural Christians. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's yeah. my thought. What do you no, think? No, I agree with yeah. you. No, I, I, I agree with you 110. Mm-hmm. percent You know, I um, I, I I'm reminded of in our culture today, and I've mentioned this to you, Will, that the account of of Ruth and uh, and Orpa mm-hmm. and uh, Naomi, and how there is a passage in the scripture that just kind of jump out jumped out at me maybe about a year ago, mm-hmm. and I was sharing this with you how. Uh, the, the Bible says, and I'm going to just do this off the top of my head. I, I could flip to it, but it takes some time. Um, how the Bible says that when, uh, you know, Naomi is sending them on their way, how um, Orpah kissed Naomi, but Ruth clung to her, you mm. know? And it doesn't mean <laughs> that that Orpah didn't have this affection for Naomi, but it was not the type of affection that said, I'm willing to give up everything. Yeah, I'm willing to put all on being with you, Naomi, and going where you go. And, and you know, and I think that we have a lot of Christians who are kind of like Orpah. They're like, they're like, okay, no, I love you. And, and I don't, you know, and then, but they're like, okay, but we're going to go. All right. right you know, right. If, 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 if it really looks <laughs> like now. it's going to be that bad and if, <laughs> you know, the, the rubber meets the road, we're right. out. But I think what really is required of the Christian today is to have that Ruth type of, you know, no, I'm whatever. I don't care what you say. Mm. I don't care what the culture says. I mm, don't care what's going on around me. I'm clinging to Jesus. Yeah. And so many Christians are not clinging to Jesus. And I hate to say it this way, but I think many of us, if you drill down and you talk to some Christians, they're embarrassed of our Lord. They're embarrassed of what he requires and they feel like what we believe is antiquated and they've moved past that. Mm. 
This will be revealed in the end, yeah. believers. Whether we like it or not, all of this will come to the surface. All right, Will the Great, where do we go next? Let's go to Carl in West Virginia. Hi, Carl. Hello, brother and sister Addison. Hello. Yesterday was the first day I heard your program, and I'm very impressed and compliment you on it and, and encourage you to stay firm for the Lord, and I hope your audience has increased. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to uh, present something to you, if you'll allow me, that I think is the root cause of the culture problems, one of which is you're addressing today, is what I call compromise in the church. May I do that? Yeah, go yes, ahead. Yes, go right ahead. All right, I hope you'll... Uh, comment after I hang up or maybe do a whole program on it. Uh, I'm a retired teacher, and I think the root cause of the problem is Christians allowing their children to be indoctrinated in public schools. Mm, I agree. We send their children to our Sunday school for 30 minutes, but we send Mm. our children to their schools for 30 hours. Carl. Mm. Carl, that's right up. I appreciate your thoughts, and thank you for taking my call. That's right down our alley, man. That's that's exact. I agree. I agree. That's a big, big problem, you know, because time is the main feature in, in making disciples, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when a time whoever wins the time game wins. So if, mm-hmm. if that's the, the public school system or whoever it is that has the most time with our children, then that's what's being pumped into. And they're being indoctrinated, you know, one way or the other. So who's doing the indoctrination? We say often and and I, you know, I understand that it's this is difficult for Christians in America to face. We have to reconcile this and it's difficult and it's taken, I, I would say, many of us a long time to get here. But but let me just say, let me say, we say often that many Christians are footing the bill and taking care of our future enemies. We are raising kids in our home right now. They're eating bacon at your table. They're eating grits at your table. And and they're growing up with a type of disdain because the majority of their influence happens outside of your home. Mm. Now, look, that's a hard truth, but it is the truth. And if we really take a step back and we look at the type of opposition that we are growing in our own families, we are growing this in our own families, it would be jolting to us. Mm. So I agree with our brother. Let's try to squeeze in one more call, Will the Great. All right, let's see if we can get to Roy in North Carolina. Hi, Roy. Oh, I said, praise the Lord to you all again, Will, and and also your, your wife there. And I just want to tell you, I called yesterday, and I, I, when I get amped up like that, I, I definitely didn't finish. But I, I wanted to uh, commend you all in the position that you all are standing in, and uh, and I'm so so, and I'm I'm sure the Lord is pleased with the with the both of you all for 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 standing standing in your position. Like Ephesians says, uh, after you all after all that you you done did, still stand. You know, Amen. I just appreciate that and uh, commenting again on the, <clears throat> the culture and also that uh, Mr. Greer there. Mm-hmm. I think for for some for some like Mr. Greer that are in high positions like that, and we know the Bible speaks of that. I think you know I, I don't I've never kicked against academics you know, because myself I I went to different schools and everything concerning my job and other things like that federal and and also local government. And um, but I, I I truly think that when you're looking at um, theological, when you're looking at being a you know a pastor or, or in a ministry at a period, mm-hmm. I think what happens to a lot of them is they got appointed 
and was not anointed. Mm. Yeah, and, I, and agree. Roy. I agree. I yeah. agree, Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying loud and clear. I'm going to say this just to kind of wrap it up here because we're almost out of time. The bottom line for us as believers is that we have got to know in whom we've placed our hope and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to meet him in the scriptures, not the God that we design, that we just like and want to worship, the God who's revealed himself to us. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.